we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Here at America Out Loud, we aren't just naysayers, we have solutions. I'm Dr. Marilyn Singleton, and welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. Our medical care is way too important to leave to the politicians. They've already done enough to mess things up. Germany's Chancellor Otto von Bismarck created the model for socialized medicine back in 1883. He did it just to quiet the rising socialist movement. He thought he'd give them free medical care just to mollify them. One of the first acts of Lenin's new Bolshevik government was to institute national health insurance. It was clear national health insurance gave control over the population and over physicians. In the 1930s Great Depression, there was a big window of opportunity for President Franklin Roosevelt to rally Americans to support government intervention on a massive scale. There were 37 new government agencies and tons of regulations came out of all this. The big moment was creation of social security. And that was the mother of government-sponsored medicine. He wanted national health insurance as part of the social security law but political opposition led him to drop the idea. So remember this date, August 14th, 1935, the 29-page Social Security Act became law and the role of federal government in our lives was changed forever. Guess how big the Social Security Act is now? Oh, think about it. Take a guess. 3,400 pages. Starting in World War II, the government got more and more involved in managing our medical care. And by 1965, we had Medicare and for the elderly, Medicaid for the poor. Then through the years, more and more regulations piled on those laws with prior authorizations, drug databases. And then our medical privacy basically just had a stake stabbed through its heart with the stimulus bill way back in 2009. Remember how, and we've talked about this before, we ought to have laws that just do one thing and not add all these things onto it. What did having a Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology have to do with the Stimulus Act, nothing. It was just a way to have the government more intertwined in our lives. And get this, now in California, the Medicaid funds are being used to fund down payments on rental units. So this expansion of the government into our lives and into healthcare has basically just given them more control, but has it given anybody better medical care? Well, my guest and I will discuss all these things 
and how we are going to increase access for everybody at the same time decreasing costs. My guest, Dr. Elena George, is a board-certified ear, nose, and throat physician. She graduated from Princeton University with a degree in biology and her master's degree in medical microbiology from Long Island University. She earned her medical degree from Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York and completed her residency at Manhattan Eye, Ear, and Throat Hospital. She's the author of Big Medicine, The Cost of Corporate Control, and How Doctors and Patients Working Together Can Rebuild a Better System. Welcome to the show, Dr. George. Thank you, Dr. Singleton. It's absolute pleasure as usual to speak with you. Well, a few months back, we were talking, we were having this conversation on this show, and you talked about some of the problems and how we got there. And so today is our solution day. Let's start with how you think we can decrease costs. And, and by cost, this is really what the patient has to pay, the inflated costs of insurers, and uh, which is different from value and price. So we'll kind of go through that. And the floor is yours. Well, thank you so much for having me back. I mean, our healthcare system is no longer about healthcare and it's no longer about uh, a delivery system. It's really a, a sinkhole. <laughs> I mean, they're just taking money. They are not providing a service anymore and patients are literally pricing. They're, they're not accessing healthcare because they can't afford it. And we've seen this from the Rand Corporation when they started this capitation uh, situation where people were on the hook to pay a lot more in deductibles and co-insurance and out-of-pocket costs. And people don't realize this, but it was by design. It was one way to decrease access to the healthcare system and it's become the norm. I don't think people even know or think about an alternative anymore. And you know, you and I have both been on the policy side. We've tried to go through uh, various government agencies and to try to help the patient, but there really isn't an appetite for that because whoever has the pocket, but has the power. And now it's the insurance companies, it's the government. And it's like this entity, this huge free floating entity that's self uh, fulfilling. It's taking money and it has no interest in cutting costs, providing patient care and being, or I should say facilitating the doctor patient relationship. And that's where I think the problem lies. I don't think as physicians or patients, we can any longer afford to hope that someone's going to help us. We have to do it ourselves. I think we need a parallel system where we contract with each other and we stop using a middleman because they're not helpful. They're costing everybody more money. They're keeping us from helping our patients in a way that we train to do. And it's got to stop. You know, I think that's the major problem. Well, let's... Think about some of the middlemen we have in healthcare. We certainly have the insurer. Everybody knows about that, but they're kind of a 
middle middleman because so many people get their insurance from their employer. And the employer is the one who negotiates the contract with the insurer and the employee has no say in the matter. So that's certainly one middleman. Then we have pharmacy benefit managers that get involved in that whole insurance process and they manage the drug portion of the insurance contract that the employer made that the employee had no input. So what do we what do we do about this when people get the insurance through, through their employer and they're kind of stuck with it? That's a really good question. I think the first thing probably is to to talk with to know what's out there, right? And most employers don't know that there are medical cost sharing, you know, companies like Sidera or Liberty HealthShare, for example. They need to understand that there's a cash-based separate line of healthcare, like uh, it's a medical. Sorry, the uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma, where there's a cash-based price. Instead of going to the insurance and help having them administer everything. The employer really wants to save money, right? They don't want the headache of, of administering something. But if they really understood that if we just contract directly with a physician, contract directly with a surgery center that gives a cash-based price and really just goes outside of it and negotiates directly, that they'll have a lot more power. The patients or their employees would be happier. They'd be saving a ton of money. And let me give you an example. Well, I'm, an, I'm an ENT. We do a lot of office-based surgery now. And it's a fraction of what it costs to go to the hospital where you have facility fees and anesthesia fees and everything just tacked on. And I gave an example ages ago, but I'll say it again, a a tonsillectomy, for example. The cost for it is about $2,500 if you pay cash for it with the surgery fee and the facility fee as a cash patient. It's about $9,000 if you use your insurance. Now, I'm sure the employer doesn't want to pay that amount of money if they knew that they could get it for a fraction for their employee. And the patient would would love it to pay a fraction of their out-of-pocket. So I think it's education, honestly. If we can just let people know cash-based services are cheaper, higher quality, you get to see a physician, and you get what you need, but you're not going to break the bank. That part, nobody really understands. They think it's just horrific amounts of money, but they don't know that it's all kind of artificial, like you described at the beginning. They just make up these charge masters. And if you were to go as a patient, let's say, God forbid, you end up in a hospital, go to the financial services and say, this is what I have. If I pay you cash, how much, what kind of discount are you going to give me? And you'll be surprised. They'll be happy to give you a discount a big one, 50, 60% off in most instances. So the patient has to become a consumer. Instead of letting things happen to you, take control of your health. Take control. You have the pocketbook. You have the power. It cannot run without the patient. And I think the patient needs to have that mindset. You have that about other things. Why can't it be about healthcare? It's interesting because people always say, oh, healthcare, it's different. Well, in most cases, and unless you're in a tremendous emergency that fortunately doesn't happen to most of us, 
you have time to investigate and do what you said, go to the office, go to the accounts office. And this is something I learned just years ago in buying things. I remember when I bought a stereo set that ages me. I mean, who has stereo sets anymore? Um, And I asked the guy, is there a discount for cash? His eyes widened and it was like, come on down. I'll take all the cash I can get. And people don't realize the timing on insurance payments. As as one of my friends said, accounts receivable in medical care look like the national debt. The insurers pay you when they feel like paying you. And they pay in these cycles. So you can do a procedure and not get paid. And this holds for the hospital too. And not get paid for up to six months after you took care of the patient. That's why their eyes widen when they see those dollar signs because cash is money they get right now and aren't waiting six months for the insurer to decide to cough up the money. You know, Marilyn, that's the best case scenario. I've been in positions where you don't get paid at all. They change the the criteria after they approved it and then you're stuck and you can't balance bill the patients. So on a independent doctor uh, framework, we're really hanging out there with faith that the insurance company is going to pay us. And we have the least power. The patient has more power than the doctor. And I just think it's a fraudulent system. If you have a, a criteria that allows you to do a procedure or order a test, then you should abide by that. You should not be able to change the rules after the fact, after the service has been given. And then tell the doctor that, oh, well, you can't even charge the patient. It's not a good system. And I think a lot of people, a lot of doctors just deal with it. And that's one of the reasons that we're in a situation, too, is that we've left independent practice and gone into big groups because of that protection, or at least that perceived protection, because there's always a benefit and a risk. The risk is you lose autonomy. You lose the ability to care for your patient. You lose time that you can spend with your patient when you go into big systems. But I think we've reached a tipping point, don't you? I mean, it can't get worse than it is now. Well, I guess it could. It could <laughs> always get worse. But the average person doesn't even see the physician anymore. They're seeing, uh, you know, the extender care side of it and a physician assistant nurse practitioners. And again, this is not bashing anybody, but if you're going to see a doctor, you're going for a consult, I think you should see the doctor, don't you? Absolutely. And they need to make sure the patient knows. And it becomes a whole new setup that first you go in and and now apparently it's getting worse and worse and the numbers are starting to come out in ERs. They have physician's assistants and that's who's in there. There's like one supervisory doctor that doesn't supervise every visit. He just kind of supervises the chart after the fact. And uh, patients don't expect that. And they assume and that it's a doctor. And you and I both know, and I'm sure we talked about this, is introducing the word provider into yeah. the medical lexicon because I have seen name tags in uh, 
places where they don't have laws about having to identify exactly what your position is, where it just says provider. And it's like provider of what? Clean up services <laughs> after a fire? I, you know, it, it, it doesn't give the patient any sense of who you are. And if they're hurting, they're in pain, they have their broken arm, they just want to see somebody. And it's only after they realize that they haven't seen the doctor that they kind of wonder, why am I sitting here paying all this money? And I didn't even see a doctor. I mean, the, the system is designed to get as much money from you as possible. I've, I mean, there's so many examples. If I refer a patient to one of the academic systems in, in Atlanta, and I'm sending the patient because I know there's a problem and it's specifically for, you know, a head and neck tumor, something that, you know, this is the problem. I've already identified it. They need care. They cannot see the doctor. They have to see the nurse practitioner first. Does that make sense to you? So do you get charged for that? And then they were going to repeat the CTs and everything you did on the outside. And then the person sees the doctor. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It's just so much money. No. system. And it's not, not for comfort or ease of the patient. And they're just out there just hoping that somebody, somebody's going to take care of them. And, and, the, and the worst bad. is the patient. They're running around to multiple appointments. Yeah. And if they have jobs, children, they have to deal with all that. And meanwhile, the costs just keep cranking up with all these multiple referrals. Well, we're going to talk about this some more after the break, because there is so much to talk about. We have cash as one of the ways to help decrease costs overall. And we'll talk about how does a patient come up with that cash? And there's something called health savings accounts. We'll talk about those after the break. Well, I feel very blessed. I have an ear, nose, and throat doctor with me. And you know, I always talk about Cofix RX, a nasal spray. And I'm sure Dr. George knows about these sorts of things that um, most of us get sick from these viruses because we inhale them through our noses. So if we can stop the virus when it's incubating in our nose over those first you know, two to five days, we can reduce or eliminate the impact of that invasion. And Cofix RX, even though COVID is kind of fading, thank goodness, from the radar screen, the nasal spray works just as well against all viruses and um, other bacteria. And when you spray it up your nose, it does its job. It's that simple. And we all know it's more like an airbag. Nothing's 100%. But if we can decrease that volume of germs, we might not get so sick. And one of the great things about Cofix RX is that it was invented by a doctor in the USA and it's made in the USA. You can find it um, in pharmacies and doctor's offices, and you can even find it on our website. There's a little button for Cofix RX. You just hit the button. You can read more about it or actually purchase it. So we'll get back to the show. 
If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code out loud and get 20% off. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Before we left for break, we talked about paying for things with cash. Dr. George, how does a patient get cash for health? I mean, how do you access it using cash? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And I mean, how do they save for it? What can be done? Because mm -hmm. patients are listening and thinking, well, where do I come up with this money? What kind of programs are there to make sure they have the cash when they need it? That's a great question. You know, um, you've been a guest on my show, Living in Solution, and I interviewed uh, a financial advisor who turned me on to something that I had no idea about. You know, most people have a uh, health, I'm sorry, a life insurance policy. Usually they have more than one. And you can actually sell your life insurance policy for cash. So, they give examples of people who've used, you know, their estate planning, they didn't need it anymore, or whatever the process is that they could surrender one of them. And there's a brokers that will actually buy the policy for cash. So if you're not using it, or you, you could become ill, God forbid, you can actually access cash from these types of policies without you having to save and scrimp. And you can once it's cash, you can use it for whatever you want whether that's big ticket medical item, travel, whatever you want. That is something that we, I had no idea about. Um, there's a, a company called Rocky Mountain Settlements. People might want to look into that. 
and they do this for anybody in the country so you don't have to live in their state and I think you should contact people like this and and actually find out what your options are doesn't cost you anything because the policy is the value so you're not putting money out but you're able to actually get a substantial amount back you know it doesn't matter about the policy it could be a million dollar policy ten thousand dollar policy whatever it is then they're able to work with you so that to me is almost like having uh, equity in something cash in the bank so to speak without the, the you know the, the drawbacks of banking these days so <laughs> we know what those are uh, so this is something that it's easy it's free it doesn't cost you anything but you can definitely benefit from it well then we have something that can go along even if your employer has health insurance that you must take. And and I have to have this in a side. It's always something worth asking your employer. Mm. Can you waive the health insurance and get the payment in your paycheck? So (laughs) amazingly, some employers will do that. That was one of the first things I told my son to do when one of the quote-unquote benefits of his job was health insurance, but he already had a really good policy, a pre-Obamacare policy that was excellent and didn't want to have to get a new one. And uh, he was able to make an arrangement. So what Dr. George said about you're the consumer and you have to ask, that's one thing to ask your employer and you have the cash instead of the insurance policy. But one of the things that a tool that's been around for years is a health savings account. And how does that work, Dr. George? Well, you, your, your employer, both you and your employer contribute to the health savings account. And it's a certain amount per year that goes in or as much as you want, actually. And then if you have a health issue, you, you'll be able to access it for health needs. My problem with it is that it's kind of locked in terms of health, right? You can't use it for other things. And there are some restrictions on it, which don't exist. It's not straight cash that you can use. So to me, it's great if that's all, if you don't have a health, I'm sorry, a life insurance policy, if you already have that particular, uh, you know, benefit from your employer, obviously use it. But I mean, I just, to me, it's just a little bit more limiting. Like it should, it does roll over, but it just doesn't, you're just locked into the system really, because you can use it for health needs. But I don't know if, can you use it? And I, I don't have this policy myself, but can you use it for integrative care? Does it have to be insurance based? That would be my question about that. Well, I, I do know that people can use their health savings accounts for things like um, programs, camps for their kids, you know, to keep them off drugs. So you can use That's it good. for acupuncture, which now insurance companies are starting to pay for more um, therapeutic massage, depending on who you get it from. I don't think you can go to, you know, like Massage Envy and... <laughs> you know, have it paid for. So you kind of have to weasel your way and make sure you go to a physical therapy office or something like that. 
one of the things I don't like about it, you save the money and I do not believe, I'm not 100% sure, but almost sure that you can't transfer it to another person like you can't give it to your children. So it's money that's sequestered, but it should be money since it's yours that you should be able to do with what you wish. But it's like you said that it has restrictions and this is the problem when it's tied, it's tied to the IRS because it is something that you don't have to pay taxes on when you're saving. Um, But it's like social security. Social Security loves it if you die young. You earned all of that money that you were supposed to get year after year. And um, the government keeps it. You never got it. You can't give it to your kids. So you're better off saving your own money that you could give to your children or charity or whatever else you wanted to do with it. Yeah, that's where the life insurance uh, policies selling it is in your interest. You can pass it to your kids before you die, God forbid. And then you don't have to pay that, uh, the death tax. I think it's tax-free as well. There's a lot of benefits to, to going that route, actually. Um, you know, ultimately, it has to be an individual's choice about how they want to approach it. I just don't think, and I think we're both in the same mindset, doing the same thing through the insurance system is not it's not cost effective and it's not effective from a health perspective at this point and i think people are becoming a lot more savvy about integrative medicine and wellness and prevention and the system is not amenable to that it doesn't pay for it it doesn't encourage it it's just the same old take the same medications and hope for the best and if we want to break out of that system we have to do it ourselves so start if you young at this point, start saving your money. Maybe you're not in a position to have a life insurance policy, but you can put money away to do what you want to instead of into the system. And therefore, nobody gets to tell you what you can and cannot do with your health. And just to backtrack, when people do get sick, again, this whole corporate structure, I think you called it a silo before, where you have the pharmacies in bed with the insurance companies in bed with the farm, you know, the PBMs at this, you know, they have their preferred uh, systems. You need to just stop that. I mean, there's no reason to go to CVS for healthcare when you really should be seeing a doctor, not a corporate structure provider. It's just going to write your prescription that you fill in the same pharmacy. I mean, I think it's a conflict of interest, don't you? Well, it seems like it. And this really came out when Aetna and CVS, I guess CVS bought part of Aetna Health. So when you get a prescription filled and Aetna is your insurer, you have to go get it filled at CVS. They call that vertical integration where one company owns every level. And that, of course, just seems wrong. And so the federal government antitrust division started looking into all these companies buying up other smaller companies to the point where 
years ago, and not that many years ago, there were 800 insurance policies for health, medical care, one kind or another. Now, five insurers manage the whole market, almost all the market. There's a handful of other small ones, but how long will they last? I'm sure not long. This this is part of the problem, that it's become a monopoly and uh, kind of an oligarchy of uh, insurers. So we don't have much choice. And you mentioned preventive care, and there's the big hubbub over not paying for preventive care in these uh, Affordable Care Act policies. But some of the things they paid for, yes, that's nice that they pay for the mammograms, but the whole colonoscopy thing turned out to be a big scam because if you had a colonoscopy uh, and then they found something, a polyp or something, they couldn't take the polyp out under the quote unquote free care. So either the doctor had to stop, which of course they don't want to do. They've already given you drugs and they would have to subject you to what? Yet again, another procedure, another appointment, because they'd have to say, oh, you have a polyp. And that doesn't go under that insurance rule. That here's a rule when you have a polyp, it has to be done under a different way in order to get paid for. I mean, it's totally crazy. And so a lot of times the doctor's not going to remove the pop because they don't know whether they're going to get paid for doing it or not. And of course, some do anyway. I mean, what a crazy system that is. Again, mm-hmm. the patients at the bottom of the totem pole that who cares about the patient that they have to undergo a procedure twice rather than just once or else get hit with a big financial surprise. Gee, you wonder if another strategy would be instead of paying these premiums, you save that money and you do what you want with it. I mean, these policy premiums are no joke, but they're a couple thousand sometimes a month for some. Oh, absolutely. Imagine if you've just saved that, put it in your own pot and then go and seek care in a way that is really transparent. So let's say you went to an independent gastroenterologist and they had a flat fee for colonoscopy and polyp removal that was, let's say, $1,500, let's say, versus the thousands that you'd pay for going in and maybe not getting the polyp removed because it wasn't covered. See, that's the difference. It's You have to really value your health. It's not what they give you. It's like we're settling, doctors and patients, honestly, for what they deem that they want to you know, dole out to us. And it's not appropriate. It's it's messing with patient health. It's gotten doctor, it's removed doctors from the system, frankly, those that are of us that are still practicing, it's under duress. And now we have the people who are just happy to be in in the system and will do whatever they're told. Do you really want to go to somebody who's just there to collect a check and just do what they're told without questioning? I don't. Well, and I'm sure a lot of other people don't either. Um, 
look at what's happened now that private equity is buying up these practices and they're really big and dermatology, anesthesia, emergency room is huge where private equity firms have bought them up. And as I alluded to before, then they don't even hire a doctor. And I don't have the number in front of me, but it's quite a large percentage after the private equity firm buys the doctor group then they get rid of the the doctors who were there get in cheaper help so it, it's it's just like regular corporate takeovers except this time it's our health and it is appalling so yet another reason to be in charge yourself absolutely i mean the first thing if if i were listening a listener to the show i would be scoping out the urgent cares in my area and find out, is it hospital run? Is it run by one of these private equity firms? Or is it an, like for Atlanta, we have uh, an independent group of ER trained board certified physicians who run the urgent care. That's, and it's like a flat fee of $135 to go, includes the, any kind of blood work, x-rays. I mean, that's cost effective. And you're actually seeing a real doctor who trained in emergency medicine, not someone moonlighting, not someone who's contract labor. That standard of care is completely different, but imagine it's a fraction of what you're paying going into a place where they're gonna send you on a consult. They don't do anything nowadays. I just saw a patient today, had an airway issue. He has a mass on his voice on his voice box. And instead of him being admitted to the hospital with an ENT consult and immediate care, he was referred out for outpatient consultation. I've never heard of things like that. You have an airway emergency. You don't send somebody out, but that's what's going on. And patients are being literally, they're on the hook for this. I don't appreciate it. And, and let's, you, I'm glad you have your show, Marilyn, because it lets people know that there's, a, there's better, that they can do better. They have to want it. Well, we're going to talk about after the break, a couple of things that um, you said, one, this referral, we'll talk about people who don't have a lot of money. And recently, I read about certain tests that Medicare is no longer paying for. So yet again, another reason that you have to be in charge, because some of the secondary tests aren't as good as the one that private insurance was paying for, or that you can pay for yourself. So we'll talk more about that after the break. I just want to thank everybody, first of all, for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. As you know, we are always a beat ahead. We've got our free apps on Apple, Android, and Alexa, and you can hear the Pulse every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 p.m and on iHeartRadio at 8 a.m. the next morning. One of the best parts for me is that all shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours, and the episodes are on lots of podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So make it easy, bookmark americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. One of the great things with the show is that the lineup is different every day. Mondays with me, Marilyn Singleton. Tuesdays with concerned doctors, Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley. 
Wednesdays with Dr. Peter McCulloch, Thursday with Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan, and Fridays with Dr. Harvey Reich. And then we've got Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, and their encore is at 10 p.m. So plenty of medical stuff out there, politics, health, everything you want to know about medicine. One day or another, Monday through Friday. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. So... Back to the show. One of the big things I'm sure a lot of people are thinking is if I don't have a great job, how do I get the money? How do I save? What are some tools? And somebody's thinking, well, I could have Medicaid. Of course, many people on Medicaid have learned that Medicaid doesn't pay for some of the same things that you could pay for yourself. And uh, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get things paid for by them. And what do we do? We don't want to leave patients out there to rot if they don't have a lot of money. I'm sorry, say that one more time. Yeah. What do we do for patients who don't have a lot of money? Well, you know, a as a private physician, and I'm sure I'm not alone, we have ways that you can pay monthly. They have, um, like the direct primary care doctors have a flat fee for families, and it's, it is cost effective, you know, maybe 30 bucks, 40 bucks a month, I think I've heard in some instances. I mean, it's, you have to stay healthy, right? And the big ticket items are when you end up in the hospital setting, but the private setting isn't as expensive as people think it is. And look up direct primary care. There are practices that have popped up all over the country that are designed specifically for working people, for people who don't have a lot of money, but don't want to have, you know, less than adequate health care. I mean, this is a step above what you're, what you're paying for by going through the healthcare system with Medicaid, Medicare, and these insurance plans. So again, I think people need to get out of the mindset of it's crazy expensive just to stay healthy. That's not always true. It, if you're ill, you have a chronic disease, I understand. And maybe you, meet, you may need to be in something like a Medicare or a catastrophic plan, that sort of thing. But there's some, where there's a will, there's going to be a way for patients to pay. 
and people do provide gratis care. And you can when you own your own practice, as opposed to if you're in a system where it's corporatized, you don't even know what the charge master is. It's time now for us to have a relationship with each other again. Doctors and patients, you know, buy a package of uh, a plan if you need to, if you have something chronic. I'm sure there's plenty of ways to work around it. I do so in my practice. I even barter in my practice. So I'm sure I'm not alone in making it work for people who are willing to meet me halfway. You know, we're a team. That's how it should be. And I think patients need to demand more from their physicians. And I think they'd be surprised they'd get a lot more back. It's interesting because in the old days, that's how it used to be. And in the old days, uh, just as my father did, he charged people what they could afford. Now, of course, if you're signed up in any sort of program, and particularly a government program, you can't do that. That's considered healthcare fraud. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason for being outside the system. You are free to treat your patients as individuals. And interestingly, it's a patient who has boatloads of money. They're not going to resent it that poor Johnny down the street who has a job that's barely minimum wage is getting care for less money. They're happy. And I think they're happy to know that their doctor has a big heart and that their doctor is working for the patients and not for the system. And but people, I, I think you keep pressing on the idea that it has to be up to the patients mm-hmm. to demand these things. And when you get things in your doctor's office, you know, you don't have to be ugly, but ask, am I going to see the doctor when the receptionist checks you in and ask about who the office personnel are? That's your right. You're paying good money to go there. Some Somebody is, whether you have insurance or it's out of your pocket. And it seems to me, and I'm probably biased in this regard, that the doctors who do these cash-based practices really do have bigger hearts. They are not stressed in the seven-minute visits because they can set their own time. They can spend a lot of time. I mean, I spent about 45 minutes on average with my new patients. That's unheard of for a specialist, for a <laughs> primary care, anybody. But it's, it's, it's rewarding. By the time they leave the office, we have a relationship. I know what the problem is. They feel better when they leave. Just listening. I mean, this is a society that nobody seems to listen to anybody. They just assume by what you look like and, and act accordingly. We need to change the paradigm. And The system really is built on money. If you withdraw your consent from it, stop using it. If it treats you badly, why on earth would you still want to be in it? Go to the mom and pops in in terms of shopping. Come out of the big box stores. Take your power back because they really could care less. They think you're just monolithic. You have nowhere to go, so they just treat you any way they want to. But it it won't even take that many people, Marilyn. I think maybe 10%. 5, 10% of people starting to go to independent doctors and having that pipeline open up, it would be an eye-opening experience for the patient and those doctors would 
have a place to leave these big uh, corporate driven entities and start opening up their shingles again, you know, hanging their shingles again. That's what it used to be. What 60% of us was in, were independent. Now, what is it down to what? 25%? Well, it's certainly way less and it gets uh, fewer and fewer almost by the minute as these firms are buying up practices. And it's like the way the government does things is by force and fear that they've made the doctors fearful that they aren't going to get paid. I mean, this this circles back to the idea that the insurer doesn't pay you sometimes for up to six months. And so there you are sitting there waiting for your accounts receivable to come in. And these people come in and say, well, you're going to get a paycheck every week or every month, whatever it may be. And you don't have to worry. We're going to take care of all the billing and we're going to take care of tracking people down. And that sounds very attractive. So now the residents, I don't think a lot of them even know about completely independent practice. They've been so ingrained in the system and they're fearful. And I don't blame them of going out, hanging that shingle and being on their own, you're thinking, I've got $300,000 of loans that I have to pay, and how am I going to do this practice? Well, one of my colleagues was in that position. She, in fact, had been a nurse and then gone to medical school, and now her practice is so big, she doesn't know what to do. And she says people got referred because they'd say, you know, I want one of those real doctors, you know, (laughs) kind of like they used to be. (laughs) And, you know, people would be appalled to think, oh, there's a difference. There's a real doctor. And then there's kind of the robot doctor. And uh, I think in their hearts, people know, but they feel trapped just like the doctors feel trapped. So I guess we just have to keep beating on them. I think it's one person at a time. It's a good experience. It's it's customer service. It's being treated like a whole person and loving that. And then t- t- telling your friends, telling your, your loved ones and, you know, each one making that move because it's about the experience, right? It's about part of healthcare is speaking. It's, Healing is actually listening and actually giving somebody a feeling of well-being. That's gone in this system. So until people decide or at least have the experience that that there is an alternative, I think everyone that has that has the ability to turn this thing off to change everything, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think you're so right. And I, I think a lot, just like anything, is exposure. People don't know about it. There's a website, dpcfrontier.com, and that gives a map of the United States and it has little dots on it that you can click on in your area to see where a direct primary care doctor is. And there's what uh, Twyla Braze's site, jointhewedge.com, it's, and that comes from the wedge of freedom. 
That gives a place where people can find a cash-based doctor. AAPSonline.org has um, a patient uh, little clicker, you know, you click on, and it will give cash-based practices. And I think people will find that ultimately the prices are cheaper. And somebody might think, does that mean that these doctors are less qualified or whatever? How can they be cheaper? Well, think about it. If you take insurance, that means you've got to have somebody in the office that's making at least $30,000 a year to sit there on the phone with the insurance company. The office costs are much less if you aren't going through all the hoops and the forms and, and all that. And you can have whatever kind of electronic medical records you want. I mean, people are all for having typed records. That way you can read the handwriting, but uh, not the kind of records that the government wants you to have with a bunch of check boxes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think about those records in the check boxes and you're talking about talking to the patient, you know, they're getting really big into this social determinants of health. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, if you talk to the patient, you don't need that checkbox list because you're going to find out about their life. It's true. It's old school, but that's what healthcare should be. And it not only it's, it's better, it's cheaper. That's what people need to really understand. Going back to basics, getting rid of this layer that, that's been foisted on all of us, it's not making it cheaper, it's not making us healthier, we're actually getting sicker and we're getting put into the poorhouse because of it. Something's gotta change. I don't believe you can continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. And only because they seem to have the biggest megaphone that you, nobody really knows that there's an alternative I'm proof, you're proof, AAPS uh, is proof that there are doctors out here who don't subscribe to that. Hippocratic Oath first, patient care, doctor-patient relationship, and getting our people better and not breaking the bank. How hard is that? I mean, we just need to pull back from the system. Well, I, I people have been uh, led to believe that this is the only way to fly. And one of the things that is so important is really having people take care of themselves and not be so dependent on drugs. This mm-hmm. whole thing with this Ozempic and Wegovy, I guess you say it, Wegovy, that's advertised for obesity and it's like the magic cure-all, get a shot from your doctor and um, then you won't be fat anymore. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, there is metabolic syndrome and there are rare syndromes where people become massively obese. But for most of us, let's get out and exercise and try to eat some fresh foods if we can. And don't forget about drinking water. Kind of key too. Oh. I hate drinking water. Why'd you have to say that? <laughs> but I do, but I do drink when I drink something, I drink water, not Cokes or, you know, whatever these sugar drinks are. 
And, you know, that that would be a good thing to get kids started right away, serving them water instead of soda pop, make a big difference. And then you just get used to it, not used to having a sugary drink with your meal. Well, I think what we're describing is you have to have personal responsibility. You have to make some wise choices. There is no easy fix. There's always some sort of uh, negative to that easy fix. And in, I don't believe it's behind a pill or a shot that you, know, that you just do every day and it's supposed to make your life better. It just never stops. Let's take back control. And that means in every facet of our life. And stop living in fear. Ultimately, you can't move if you're always fearful. You'll always have somebody else make a decision for you. That's not ideal. Boy, well, I think you said it all right there. What a lesson for all of us. I mean, both doctors and patients to let's not live in fear and let's take charge of our own lives. And we all know there are things that are going to pop into your life that are going to really throw you for a loop. But fortunately, for the most part, that doesn't happen to us all and it's not happening every day. So let's take care of ourselves and be strong, not be afraid. Dr. George, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and you I always have to ask, you promise you'll come back someday? Of course, that's a given. <laughs> okay. All righty. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. We've got a wonderful new feature, a couple new features. We have our question and answers. You can send them to americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. And you can ask a question of the host or the guest and we'll get back to you an email. First names are fine. And now we have our americaoutloud.shop. And this website is great. There's, you can get a discount on all the products at the website with the code out loud. And there's products from Healthy Cell, Cofix RX that we talked about, the wellness company, and our bookstore that's got tons of great books about a lot of stuff, you know, politics, health, all sorts of things. So I urge you to go there. I have and couldn't help myself already got a few things. So whether you agree or have other opinions, please share the show. And thanks again for listening. And until next week, say it loud. I'm free and I'm proud.